Enjoy the convenience of seven days a week banking and extended hours with Cube from First Arkansas Bank and Trust, member FDIC. Bobby Regan of Barstool Sports, friend of the show. And Bobby, as always, man, appreciate you joining us. How are you doing this afternoon? Good, man. How are you doing? Hey, we're always doing good, man. And uh, being able to talk about history and the NBA is always an interesting thing, especially when you witness something last night that's never happened before. Two players with Jokic and Murray going for a triple-double in the same game, happened to be in the NBA Finals and happening to get the win. You know, uh, it's it's almost something that you see for Jokic pretty often, but seeing the deal with uh, Murray being involved too, man, it's that's just one of those things you're probably going to have to remember where you were when you watch that game. I mean, I guess. It, Murray's triple-double was hilarious because he tracked down the, the rebound on the very last play when it was <laughs> whatever. But, I, listen, they, they have this playoff run has solidified themselves as I mean, they're on the short list of the best duos in the league right now. So uh, there's there's a lot of talk, Bobby, in uh, the finals right now. And just wondering your thoughts on it and if, if it's warranted. So, uh, of course, Jokic, and we've seen how extraordinary he is and some of the things he does on the basketball court. The argument is he's the best player in the game right now. But it's kind of swung to the other side that if the Heat go on to win, does Jimmy Butler at that point become the best player in the game? What do you think about just being reactionary in the moment, saying whichever team wins and the best player on that team, they become the best player in the league? It's very reactionary. I mean, I, listen, I think Jokic is probably the best player in the league uh, and, and has been. So, I mean, it's, you know, the list is like him, Giannis, Embiid. I, I, you could still throw in, you know, the steps, the, like the healthy Durant, whatever. But, Butler's weird because like he's really good, but he's not he's not in the argument for best player in the league. You know, he's like a top fifteen guy, which somehow seems like an insult, but if I called you one of the fifteen best basketball players in the world, it's a pretty good compliment. Like, I think most people would take that. So I don't know, it's just reactionary, but Butler is who he is. Like he's he might be the best competitor in the league, which you can't really measure. There's no stat that shows it, but I mean, look, the dude just shows up in the playoffs like every year and always has. It's just he has something that you can't really quantify with stats. And But, I mean, come on, Jokic is – we've never seen a Jokic before. Like, there's, there's no comparison for a Jokic we've had in NBA history. Yeah, it's funny you bring that up because every time I, I watch Jokic and then you hear him talk like last night talking about his performance, it's, it's very just nonchalant because, you know, he just wants to win the game and obviously that's what you want to hear from your athletes and your competitors. But – the way he does it and how he does it and how consistent he is, it's just a matter of, you mentioned it, you haven't seen anything like it. So is there any way to kind of stop it? Because very few times we see in NBA you have players that just feel like they're unstoppable or at least can go and get theirs at any time. He's become one of those guys to where no one's really figured out how to slow him down in any facet, whether it's his scoring, his rebounding, his passing, or anything like that. No, I mean, it's kind of pitcher poison with him. You can try to say, okay, we're going to take away the – 12 feet in, but then he's still an elite passer from the perimeter and he can shoot the ball. It's not like he's, he's not like the traditional big where it's like, okay, if we push him out to 18 feet, we're fine. We're, we're in great spot. Like, you push him out to 18 feet, he's going to set someone else up or he's just going to shoot that jumper that he has and he's probably going to make it. So it's pick your poison. And, and you know, I don't know if there's a good, I really don't know if there is a good option. I don't know if there's, there's something you can say, take this away, and, and you have a better chance to win the game. It, 
again, we, we there's, you can look at his game and say, okay, this part, you know, there's part this player, that player, this player, all morphed into one. But the problem is they're all morphed into him. So it's like, how do you take, you know, if you want to take away his, you know, I, I said he's a little bit, he's got a little bit of, of Arvidas Sabonis, a little bit of Vladi Divac, a little bit of, of Dirk, a little bit of even like Magic, Magic Johnson. He just has this like combination of players. So it's like, okay, you want to take away his Magic, which is his passing, you better deal with his Sabonis, which is a jumper. And it's just, I, I don't know how I don't know how you slow this guy down. All great players need other players around them and on that team because it is a team sport and the Nuggets have good pieces. They have Aaron Gordon, KCP, Michael Porter Jr. But is Jamal Murray the key to them making this playoff run that they have this year simply because he's finally healthy and he actually is competing in the postseason? Yeah, so there are two ways to look at it. Like Jamal Murray, when healthy and playing like this, proves that Denver has the two-star method that you kind of need to, in the NBA, you know, it's hard to have one star on a team and, and, and be this good, right? They're one seed for a reason, too. And Murray is that. Murray is star power. But it's also like Aaron Gordon, who was like a, a stack guy when he was in Orlando. He's just accepted his role as, hey, I'm, I'm option three, maybe four, even maybe five on some days, but I'm going to defend. And I'm just going to finish at the rim. And the fact that you get an Aaron Gordon to buy into that completely changes because it just opens up your offense even more where, you know, it's not a ball stop where he passes them and feels like, well, I got to go get my bucket now. So it, it's both, really. But, yeah, I think the fact that Murray is is that true second star to where you can kind of stagger him and Jokic when you start getting into subs and still have, you know, one of the three to four best players on, on either team on the floor at all times is it's huge for Denver. It, it's funny you mentioned Aaron Gordon also um, simply because there's some history there where when they were in the bubble and Aaron Gordon was part of the magic at the time, Kyle Lowry, he was on the Raptors, and of course, they're going against each other in the finals right now, but the Raptors actually took the magic out, and uh, Aaron Gordon was injured on a play from Kyle Lowry, and so come full circle, they're taking on each other in the finals, and he was even asked, does he think back to that, and is it personal, and of course, he gave the right answers on it, but you have to think that, you know, in the back of his mind, he is one to get revenge in, you know, some form of fashion, but also, just going on to win a championship, I think it means a little bit more the fact that he's come full circle from that moment, and then you see somebody on the other side that actually took part in that and uh, him having an injury at the time. Yeah, I mean, I think especially when you're talking about this level of competition, if you can find any slight motivational tool, these guys will take it and run with it. So I'm sure, you know, internally or in the locker room, brought up it's because it's a possible publicly it's impossible not to but yeah i think you know a guy like gordon who is you know a a been around for what now it seems like about a decade but you know been around long enough to be a staple in the nba i'm sure he's using that as some sort of internal motive motivation you know because that's what these guys do they use anything as bulletin board material it's me with Bobby Regan of Barstool Sports here on the Jones and Sun Diamond and Bridal Fine Jewelry Hotline. So, Bobby, I know that these are the two teams that are be in the NBA Finals, and one of them is going to go away with a championship. But just kind of looking back on, on all the other teams, who would you say was, was maybe the biggest disappointment in the NBA this year, whether it was the regular season disappointment, the postseason disappointment? But uh, who do you feel like uh, was the team that fell the most short this season in the NBA? Yeah, 
I mean, my instinct is to say the Bucks, right? Like you're a one seed, and I know they had injuries, but if you're a one seed and, and you lose in five games to the Heat, I know this doesn't sound crazy now with the Heat in the finals, but a one seed losing to an eight like that in five games, and you to be honest, I know he's banged up in that series, but for Ben not to win, it's kind of crazy. And then on the flip side, you look over at the West, and I mean, you can kind of, you kind of take a handful of teams. The Suns, again, they had help, you know, especially when they got Durant, but they were never really healthy when they had Durant. Paul was then injured. Durant was injured. But it felt like, you know, it felt like we were looking at a Suns Bucks finals again. And then all of a sudden you get, you get Nuggets heat kind of out of, you know, not necessarily out of nowhere, but, you know, coming that was not predicted at all when you're looking at the playoff bracket. Um, so first to a degree, because again, you have Kawhi and Paul George, but I think they just kind of are who they are in terms of health. So, I don't know. My first instinct is still the Bucks, just because in a series, it feels like the better team should win 80% of the time, and they just weren't even competitive. I mean, they lost in five. What do you think of some of the new coaching hires here that we have in the offseason, and um, who may be in the best position with their new team? So, it's weird because it just felt like everyone kind of traded coaches to a degree. Um, again, it, it, it's got to be the Bucks or the Suns because you're getting the top tier talent, right? Like you're getting, you're getting Giannis, you're getting Durant and Booker. So uh, whoever you like most out of that group, I would tend to go there. Um, the Suns is a little weird because you know they have the new the new owner, and just new owners are always weird. You never know what to really expect with that. How much leash do you get? Who are they plan on keeping? What's their kind of plan going forward? But I think the fact that you get uh, uh, very much in their prime booker, you get Durant, and then we'll see what moves they make. With Penley, they're kind of feeling the best if you're a new coach, I guess. Yeah, and I know that uh, with uh, with all the NBA stuff going on, too, uh, I was curious to kind of shift gears and do a little college basketball with you as well because there's been this story we talked about a little bit yesterday of uh, the possibility of UConn and Gonzaga moving to the Big 12, which is funny, and it, it's something to where it's like I know that conferences are trying to get all that they can, and I guess maybe the Big 12 is like, hey, we can't get any of the football powerhouses, so maybe try our hand at basketball. What would you make of that if that ended up happening, having UConn and Gonzaga in the Big 12? I love it for Gonzaga. And it makes sense for UConn from a money standpoint. But, man, I hate the thought of UConn leaving the Big East right after they got back into the Big East again. Because that's a Big East school, right? Like, I'm sorry. Like, I, most of the time with conference realignment, I'm like, whatever. But I miss the old. I miss the days I grew up on it. But 19 ACC, the FCC being what it was, the Big East the way it's supposed to be, uh, 10 teams in the Big Ten, not 18 in so-called the Big Ten, 10 teams in the Big 12. What, can we just use our brain sometimes and stop this? Because... UConn-Iowa State regular season doesn't sound right. UConn should be playing Villanova, Providence, St. John, Seton Hall. The teams that we know, right? The teams that we've seen them around. And I gave UConn credit because they were the only program to say, the only school to say, like, football, you figure it out. We're a basketball school. You go be independent. We're getting back to the Big East because we're sick of the Americans. You win a title, and now it's like, oh, now we're going to go to the Big 12. And I hate it. I hate it so much because I love I love Big East basketball, too. So it's like UConn should be a staple in the, in the, in the Big East. 
I think a ton of sense for Gonzaga just because we now have to, we can finally stop the stupid discussion every March when they're a one or two seed and every stat is they should be a one or two seed and then they lose in the Elite Eight and somehow it's a bad season for them um, and they're overrated despite everyone else losing the same way. Gonzaga can't, like, that regular season would be a lot better and you're in both the with BYU, but. I don't know. It's going to be weird. I really hope UConn doesn't go. I know they will because, again, money. But the fan of me is just like, come on. Can we – like, I'm an East Coast guy, too. It's like, just give me what I know. Just give me give me what sounds right. UConn is the big 12 doesn't sound right. If, if this is a move that happens, um, UConn, Gonzaga both moving on, which, which conference – I think it may be obvious, but which conference do you think would be hurt the most by that? The Big East seems like – they should be able to survive with UConn moving on, and uh, even though it would be a blow to them. But the West Coast Conference, Gonzaga, that's pretty much how the West Coast Conference is known because of Gonzaga. Now, they do have St. Mary's, but outside of those two teams, it seems like you know West Coast Conference would be hurt the most. Oh, the, the, the WTC is you-know-what, because you also lose BYU, and they are losing BYU already, so – Two of the top four teams in that conference, two of the top three teams in that conference are gone. And I mean that's that's a two bid league, three bid league kind of at max most that we that we've seen. It, 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 I you know, I don't think San Francisco gets there. I don't think Pacific Pepperdine, like the WCC has been better, right? Like everyone's kind of starting to take a little jump up, but you lose Gonzaga and also that looks like a one bid one bid league again. And you know, that stinks because Again, it just becomes that they totally become. You lose the stories, right, of the FAUs of the world and, and things like that, the Royal Chicago's, because bids are now giving out more to top, you know major conferences because there's a hundred teams of those, or you know sixty or whatever. And it would be weird. It would be very, very weird. Big East would be fine because you still have you know multinational champion Nova in recent memory. Xavier's been a one seed. Marquette's been a two seed. There's enough there to kind of keep them, keep the Big East just fine. And, and you know, you talk to coaching hires. They have probably the best coaches top to bottom in the conference, you know, conference in America. Bobby, something that I know uh, Arkansas fans are really interested in is Grant Nelson because he is taking a visit yeah. today and reportedly tomorrow here in Fayetteville. Also uh, has Alabama in its sights and people are reporting that those are the two schools that uh, he's looking at and have a big choice to make. But what do you, what can you tell us about Grant Nelson? And uh, if Arkansas is able to get him, uh, what type of uh, team does that make Arkansas having him and Trevin Brazil being there down low? Yeah, I mean, it makes him really versatile. Now, they're, they're, you know, the downside is you question how good would it be defensively, right? You know, Brazil coming off the injury especially. I, I it's one of those things that, yes, he could have been a really good defender, but I, I need to see it post-injury when you're talking about, especially a leg, you know, leg knee injury where – if it's a separated shoulder or something like that, I think, okay, he'll be fine. Yeah, but how quick did you start moving again? But offensively, you have two guys that can face the floor. You know, Nelson is, is, can go get his own bucket. He can shoot. They become very interesting in that side. Defensively, it's almost like, okay, how do we? How can we play this? And I'm, I'm sure must be able to figure it out where you know, maybe it's a little more up-tempo, maybe it's more pressing and kind of chaos style because you don't have that Kind of what you expect, you know, guy in the post of win protection. Um, and in the SEC, you look at the SEC, there's a ton of, like, kind of old-school centers where do we get bullied some on, on in the paint and on, on the glass? Or 
do your full with that because now we have two guys that can bring those guys out and, and open everything up offensively. You know, those games might be in the 80s every time, but I think Arkansas keeps that. Between the two teams, <sighs> Arkansas, Alabama, what it, what, what's the argument for Grant Nelson going to Arkansas to say that that's the right move? What's the argument for him going to Bama to say that that's the right move? So I think with Arkansas, you can kind of pull the, hey, we've had NCAA tournament success. You know, you come here, you're likely playing in the second weekend. Um, Musk has enough guys in the NBA that he can sit there and say, listen, like, look at these guys. I've coached them. Here's my guys in the NBA. But I think Alabama is known for being kind of more, uh, I don't even know the best way to put it, because they, they, they can point, I guess, like higher level NBA prospects in recent memory and be like, listen, we, we got Brandon Miller to be the number two. We have this right here. Um, but it's also, or, hey, you know, we won the SEC. We're, you know, you're going to be a one seed. But again, Arkansas has more success in, in March. And it just depends what, what matters because they are very similar. Arkansas and Alabama are certainly some very similar style of play, success. You know, they, they, they've won the SEC. But I, I trust Arkansas more when it comes to I think Bucks is a better tournament. Well, you know I got to bring up uh, your Kentucky Wildcats, man, because uh, I, I was just uh, looking in and seeing, knowing that the the recruits they got in, but also the guys that left and 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 everything. Just how you feel about your your cats this upcoming season, man? It's weird, man, because everyone's kind of down at Kentucky for the first time that seems like forever. Um, you know they. Going into this year, it felt like, okay, everyone expects them to lose. Sheway, Wallace, Poppin, likely lose Livingston. And now you sit there and went, okay, well, where was the plan? Like, yeah, the, this recruiting class is coming in, but in this world, you you kind of need to get a couple guys out of the portal. And that never happened. And now it's like, uh, we're really going this year with uh, two sophomores that played sparingly and eight, potentially eight freshmen. Uh, that's not feeling great, especially when, you know, I, I know it's a, a good recruiting class on paper, but a lot of people in that world are down on this class in terms of talent compared to other, you know, other classes of high school basketball. I don't know. I don't know what to think. On one hand, this is like, well, this is what Calipari's comfortable with, of, of the highly rated recruits and figuring out how to get freshmen to, to play well. But on the other hand, he's got to win. Like, Kentucky fans are, 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 and I've said it before, it's a civil war where you are either very, very anti-Calipari, ready to fire him on the spot, and you can't even be like me where it's like, oh, here are his problems, but I also don't know who's better that you're getting right now to coach Kentucky if you want this sort of success, and you get burned at the stake from both sides. It's, it's crazy. So he better figure this out because I, I, I don't know. I, I think they do have a high ceiling, but I think the floor for this team is just so, so low. Yeah, it's going to be interesting just in the SEC in general this upcoming year, so I don't really know how it's going to go, but it's going to be entertaining nonetheless and very dramatic, that's for sure. But, Bobby, man, as always, we appreciate you joining us. Uh, good luck the rest of the way. Also, good luck uh, with your Kentucky baseball Wildcats, man, and uh, maybe they can uh, have some uh, some postseason success in making it to Omaha. But either way, we appreciate you coming on with us. Have a good one, man. All right, man. Have a good one, guys.